Well, it's another Sunday evening. Sure is. Uh, February 24, 2019, and it's Notes from John. With a babble from Bon. Hope everybody's doing well. How are sure you, Bonnie? Do. I'm just great. Yes, you are great. It was a nice Sunday. I didn't have to fix dinner. Why? Because we, after we had our blessing, the patriarchal blessing for Dallin that you gave him, which was wonderful, we went over to their house and had a a blessing dinner for him, and it was wonderful because I didn't with, have to fix it. With his parents and their family, and we did. it was, it was great. And because uh, of that, we wanted to do a shout out tonight for. Hold it. Had to stop a little bit there and turn up the volume a bit. I hope that doesn't create a problem. So, uh, sweetheart, you, um, you were going to, you were saying. We were doing a shout out tonight for. Josie and, and Nate. Nate and Callie. And Callie. And uh, just to, uh, just before we say that, this this uh, was the first patriarchal blessing that I've been privileged to, to give to one of our grandchildren. Very um, special. I, I've been privileged to be a patriarch for a long time, but uh, when we were called on our mission, oh gosh, in 2011, uh, I was put on a non-functioning status as a patriarch. Uh, and so now I'm only authorized to be able to do blessings for my direct descendants. So uh, Dallin uh, is our oldest grandchild, and he's the first to request a patriarchal blessing. So today was the day, and it was really, it's been a wonderful um, experience to do that uh, for him. and pronounce a blessing upon him. And there was a, a, a considerable preparation for that, both on my part and yours and, and on Dallin's part, too. Um, so he'd been fasting and I've been fasting. and We've all been fasting. Yeah. And so had his brothers and sisters. Yeah, that's right. And they, it was sweet that they fasted for him and then they... Each ended their little fast with prayer, and prayer is so important when it comes to family members and being able to help and be supportive when there are good times and when there are sad times to support each other. And it was just sweet that Dallin had brother, a brother and, a, and two sisters who supported him in this and fasted and prayed for him for this moment. Yeah, and when we went to dinner to their place tonight, Josh showed us a picture on his phone that he took of of uh, Josie and uh, Nate, and Josie's, she's um, ten. 10, and Nate's 8, and, and as they were uh, in the midst of their fast, they were, they were praying on their knees in their living room, and Josh happened to take a picture of that uh, really a special moment. Really tender. It was. So, and tonight will be another tender experience that John is going to share tonight with all of you. Yeah, that's that's correct. Tonight, I want to share with you a uh, experience with my dad, a man who I love dearly and uh, who was my hero growing up, of course, and meant everything to me and. Uh, I thought was perfect, 
although he was a little rough on us at times, but uh, uh, I admired and respected and loved him deeply. But I, I, I saw in my dad when I was in, uh, in my senior year in high school, uh, early on, actually perhaps the summer before that, this was, gosh, this was back in 1965, my father uh, began to, to change somewhat. He was, he didn't appear to be as happy as he used to be. He always seemed to be preoccupied and uh, uh, weighed down with whatever. I didn't know what the issues were. I've, I've come to learn since then that, that dad was oh, weighed down with uh, oh, just concerns in his, uh, in his work. He is a doctor. Uh, he was concerned in some financial areas where uh, he'd made uh, a number of investments in uh, products that he believed strongly in and things were not going well for that. And other people he had encouraged to come and be a part of those investments, uh, hoping to benefit them financially, ultimately. And then when those investments uh, um, did not go well, and uh, matter of fact, they failed, people began to blame my dad for uh, the money that they lost in it. And, and he lost certainly a good deal of money in it as well. And and then, uh, in addition to that, there was the the disappearance. Uh, uh, oh, six months earlier than that, which was in in um, October of 1964, when my brother Reed had disappeared, and I've already given account of that in one of our previous episodes. So all of these or these things, the concern with Reed, the uh, financial issues, the pressures that were coming from people uh, making accusations against my father um, took a very heavy toll on him. Now, you got to understand, this is all my perspective. I was um, 17, 18 years old, observing this from my viewpoint, which was uh, certainly limited and I never had any conversations with my dad about any of these things specifically, at least how it uh, related to him personally, but it obviously was having a significant effect on him. And um, my dad became uh, seriously depressed over the problems that uh, we were encountering. And that depression uh, led to dad taking some medications that uh, trying to help him that he I think probably prescribed for himself since he was a doctor but um, things get got progressively worse for my dad over the summer of 1965 and into the fall of 1965 as uh, um, you know he just began to to recognize in himself that uh, he was not mentally well. And unfortunately, it came to a head for him one week before Christmas in December 1965. 
when my father um, took his life. And that was a Saturday. I will never forget that day, um, as, nor will any of my family members, I'm sure, as well. But um, that morning, um, my dad came to me and he said, uh, John, would you, uh, would you like to go play racquetball or squash with me? It's like racquetball. And I said, Dad, you know, I, I would I'd be happy to, but I've got a, a, an a cappella performance for Christmas that I'm, I'm required to be to, and so I'm not going to be able to do that. And I did. I had this uh, a cappella or madrigals, I can't remember which one it was, an obligation um, where we were singing for some Christmas uh, event. And I was uh, expected to be at that. So, I, unfortunately, uh, I, I chose to, to go to that, that um, a cappella event rather than going with my dad, not realizing how, how deeply in trouble my dad was. I've learned later that he also went to a couple of the other uh, kids in our family, and as it turns out, no one was able to go play squash with him that, uh, that morning. And it was that morning that he, he then uh, went to uh, a place up near uh, Hogel Zoo in Salt Lake City where he ended his life. I, I got home from the, the uh, uh, singing engagement that I, I was involved in. And when I walked in the door, there was a, there was a very different mood or feeling in the home than I'd ever felt before. And it was just a few minutes after I got home when my mom um, called everyone to come into the front room. That was me, a couple of my younger brothers and sisters. And she announced to us that uh, our father had taken his life and that uh, uh, we needed to do all that we could to remember him. And I remember she kept saying, let's just always remember the good times. Mother was strong that day. I, I could see it all over her face, the, the, uh, the feelings and sense of uh, bewilderment, of tragedy, of sorrow uh, that uh, clearly she felt. And uh, I remember we all knelt together, those of us that were there, and and had prayer together. If I recall, at that time, I was the oldest of the siblings that were home when she made that announcement. As I learned later, my older brothers had learned about uh, Dad's death previously, and they had actually gone up to the mortuary to there identify his body. My sister Christine, who's just older than me, uh, came home from an engagement that she uh, was involved in, and she learned about it at that point too, and uh, had a, I mean, it was just such a tragic uh, news that it was difficult for her emotionally as it was for everybody else. Uh, 
so we, I, I just remember this feeling of, um, oh my gosh, now, now what? And what are we going to do financially? And if dad's gone, you know, what does that just do to each one of us individually? What does it do to me? How does it affect me and my going forward in life? And all of it became quite confusing to me. Um, but I made the distinct choice that I would do everything I could to simply live my life the best I could and remember my dad uh, as positively as I could. But I have to admit that it created some um, conflict within me. And I, it's because Dad had always taught me uh, growing up to never quit. Never quit. That you always give everything you can in whatever you're undertaking. Do the very best that you can and things will work out. But you never quit. Well, in this particular case, it seemed to me that my dad quit. Now, that was the perception of a 17-year-old. I didn't know all of the circumstances surrounding the issues he was dealing with. I'm not sure that I would have understood all of them even if I knew about them, but, but I certainly didn't know all of them by any means nor did I know the extent of the concerns that he was, uh, was dealing with. So I, I saw it from my own little world perspective and uh, how it affected me, you know, the unselfish, or excuse me, the selfish viewpoint of a teenager that uh, I was at the time. And for that, I am truly sorry. But nevertheless, I had to, you know, life goes on. And um, tomorrow's another day. And, and, uh, and then, you know, in a couple of days, school starts again, and you go back to school. And then the word gets out among the kids at school that Jepson's dad committed suicide. And, and that was very hurtful to me. It was embarrassing to me. I didn't know how to respond to that, and so I typically didn't. I kept to myself. I didn't talk really much to anybody about it. I remember I had a, I had a girlfriend uh, that I was very interested in at that time of the year, and I was embarrassed to have her find out that my father had, had uh, done that. So I, I, uh, I just had to, in order to survive, to cope with it, I chose to bury it, at least bury my feelings as much as I could because I didn't understand my feelings in the first place and I, I didn't really know what to do with them. Um, I just chose to go on day by day doing the best that I could and you know, hopefully without it affecting me much. It affected us, certainly from a financial standpoint. And um, I started, got a part-time job and uh, stopped some, a number of my activities at school, my uh, athletic activities. And 
and um, and left school a little bit early each day and went on my little job. And my sisters already had part-time jobs, and uh, so we tried to help out from a financial perspective. But um, as you can imagine, going from a doctor's uh, income to no income was was frightening for my mother and concerning. Well, that was a long, long time ago. And um, over the years, I've reflected many, many times upon my dad and upon uh, the man that he was. And I've come to realize that uh, the man that took his life wasn't, wasn't, that wasn't my dad, really. He had been taking these, these drugs to help him cope with uh, his depression and, and help him go to sleep and then to help him get up. And, and those drugs uh, affected him in a very negative way. And so, unfortunately, this, uh, this person, my dad, this man of great strength, of humor, of deep love, uh, love for God, love for his family, love for his patients. Um, you know, uh, so smart. Uh, he was kind of, had become a shadow of himself. And as a matter of fact, uh, he went to, uh, oh, not too many months before his death, he, he went to see uh, Elder Gordon B. Hinckley, who was a dear friend of my father's, they went to school together. And uh, Elder Hinckley at the time was a member of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles in the church. And they had uh, um, a, apparently a, a fairly in-depth talk together. As, uh, um, my, uh, President Hinckley actually spoke at my dad's funeral, and he described in, the, in his talk how my dad had come to visit him a few months prior to his death. And he had made the comment in that funeral talk that when he came in, he saw a broken man. And that just was not my dad. Well, today, how do I view all of that? And, and how have I been able to to work through it. Time is a great healer. And I've chosen to, to uh, reflect and focus upon all that was good about my dad, all that he did to bless my life and the lives of so many others, all that he taught me in terms of loving God and uh, how he loved my mother. It was, uh, she was everything to him and he loved her deeply and, and he taught me the importance of treating women with respect and with kindness and, and, uh, and the kind of relationship that he had with my mother was uh, the kind of relationship I wanted to have with my wife. They never argued, or at least not in front of the kids. I'm sure they had their own issues and and times together, but we never saw it, or at least I never did. So I, I and you know, Dad was my uh, Sunday school teacher. 
uh, for a few years in our in our ward and and we'd work out in the yard together and and um, for conversation he'd want to be teaching me about the gospel I didn't necessarily want to hear it but he wanted to talk to me about the gospel and he he taught me one-on-one -on -one. I remember that he used to he was he would tell me how proud of, of me he was and he'd say that I'm I was his right-hand man and this is when I'm in junior high school and you know that would make me feel good when he would say that I don't know that I really believed it because I was just one of many in the family but uh, um, he made me feel good when he would build me up that way and I admired his athletic ability he was very uh, athletic and was a great runner and he was a terrific uh, base softball player and basketball player I admired all of these things he didn't have much uh, in the way of musical talent he loved music he loved singing but he was always a little off tune um, didn't really play an instrument but he he loved the fact that uh, my mother played the violin and that she loved music and he always provided musical instruments for us to learn in our home so this is the example of a, a man who who is my hero one of my big heroes in my, my life the savior of course is my my uh, my number one hero but my dad is clearly one of my great heroes and all that was good about him, I want to emulate. And I, there have been so many times in my life when I've longed to have an opportunity to just sit down and talk to him and share my feelings with him and my, my fears and my concerns. And on, on the other hand, my joys and my successes. And I wanted him to join in and... and and the joy of those experiences. Well, since you, since they're gone, you you just kind of do it in your mind. And but I uh, I just thank our Father in heaven for remarkable parents, for a mother who was an amazing woman in so many ways, who was was strong enough to be able to hold true to the gospel in every way her faith never wavered to my knowledge and uh, even though she went through the tragedy of uh, my brother's disappearance my dad's suicide and then me and the, losing my leg at, at 19 um, and all of that within the space of about three years uh, and that's not to mention the loss of two of her children earlier in life, one to, at, uh, before uh, one day old and another one six months old. She, she had her share of challenges and yet always bore them through with dignity and grace and with such faith. So I share with you um, those that I love my love for my dad for what he taught me for how he loved me for how he made me feel 
And I'm just so sorry that I didn't. I was living in my own high school teenage world at the time when he was in the midst of his trials. And I didn't do anything to help him. I didn't know. I wouldn't have known what to do, even had I, had I known. But I can say today um, that I know the day will come, and it's drawing closer, <laughs> when I will see my dad again, and he and I will sit down together, and we've got a lot to to get caught up on, caught up on, and to share together. It's one of the things in my life that has uh, taught me greater the need for greater faith, for greater determination, to be able to be positive in the face of tragedy, and to be able to be a strength for those who may not have been blessed with the same degree of faith or strength that someone else may be. So, Dad, uh, if you're listening, please know my love and how dear and precious you are in my life and will always be. And I look forward to the day when we'll have that uh, that father-son talk that I've longed for for well over 50 years now. As we conclude this uh, episode, I'd like to play for you uh, this song called Bend Don't Break that was written and, and sung by my son-in-law, Alex Boyer, and it was uh, done for Suicide Prevention Week this past year and was used in a number of settings with the uh, uh, National Suicide Prevention Week groups and, and uh, has a very powerful message regarding suicide. And thank you, Alex, for the great work on that. Other than that, uh, that'll conclude our, our message tonight on Notes from John with a babble from Bon. Before you go, can I ask you a question? When's the last time you thought life's worth living? You may think there's only one way out. Can't see beyond the way you feel right now but if you just bend and not break if you just bend and not break oh at least not today now I know that this permanence is tempting That even on a good day life feels empty But someone's gonna miss you when you're gone There's so much more to do with you 
Because your work here is definitely not done. You know.